Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The following is a paid program. The views or claims made are not necessarily those of WILK staff, management, or sponsors. It started with two women. And, well, today it's still two women, but not just any women. It's Laurie and Lynn. Who can turn the world on with a smile. Laurie and Lynn. Giving Northeast Pennsylvania local talk to start your weekend right. Suddenly make it all seem worthwhile. And now, celebrating their 10th year on the air on WILK News Radio. Here's Laurie and Lynn. Love is all, no need to waste it. You can never tell why don't you take it. You're gonna make it after all. Good morning, everyone. How are you on this hopefully beautiful Saturday morning? <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. We don't know. We yeah. don't know. Um, how are you doing today? we got lots of stuff to talk about that we've both been involved with over the last week. Things going on. Yes, it's things. Been active. <clears throat> yes. Yeah, very active week. It's been an active weather pattern, you know. Oh, that. <laughs> yeah, that too. We're doing our thing. Uh-huh. So, um, tell me about your Easter. Well, my Easter was very nice. It was very mm-hmm. quiet. Very quiet. Okay. Very, I only had, including me, five people at my house. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I made, I had a picnic Easter. Because okay. if I were at my brother's, which I usually am in Jupiter, Florida, or Tequesta, my brother Timothy Cadden, um, we couldn't go, but this year because of Meyer's dog is not doing the greatest, so we postponed our trip, and so we stayed home. So it, I would have had Costco burgers on the grill um, with my grandma Nana Lee's. Um, Timmy makes her potato salad, which I don't oh. love. I don't like potato salad, but he it, he he loves making. It's my grandmother's recipe, and he, and it's delicious if you like potato salad. And I always make my famous baked beans, which I make a mean bean. Um, <laughs> and okay. but uh, so instead, I decided to twist it up and do a picnic kind of lunch because mm-hmm. when we were little we used to little my mom and dad would take us on a picnic and every time we went on a picnic we'd have fried chicken my mom would make fried chicken and mm-hmm. we would always bring it it traveled well you could eat it at room temperature kind of you know and so we did that I I did not make this though I did buy it from ships because of course I could have made it gluten-free but why bother so um and I had a rotisserie for me and then I made baked beans and I made my macaroni salad. I made my jello which is a wonderful jello with a cream cheese topping mm. and I had gluten-free uh ricotta as I call it because I'm not Italian and I'm not going to pretend I know how to say it cheese cookies from Vine and my cousin brought a big toss salad my cousin Kathy and it was delicious everything was perfect 
great. So we had a nice day, four of us, five of us, my cousin Kathy and Sharon Le Boutier, mm-hmm. and Meyer, and yours truly, and Mr. Johnny, here's Johnny, Lucas, and we had fun. So Good. that that was our, that was our packed home kind of uh, picnic and What was the weather like here? It was, I don't remember, it was kind of dreary, I think. Yeah. Yeah, it was a little dreary. And, I don't and, know if uh, it was cold. I never left my house. Okay, well then, that, <laughs> yep, that answers the question. Because I went to the Saturday night vigil mm-hmm. at the cathedral, mm-hmm. a mass, uh, which was absolutely beautiful. The music is just incredible. And my buddy Jack Martin playing the trumpet. And there is nothing, I'm just hands down, there's nothing more beautiful in a church than a trumpet. Mm-hmm. You just you, the way it echoes on the walls, it's just beautiful. Anyway, it was a great job. So hats off all, to all the musicians who played, who always make it beautiful at, at the cathedral. Um, so and Jack Martin, my buddy. So, but it was so that's why I didn't have to leave. To, I didn't go to mass because I went the night before, so I never walked outside. Okay, well. other than to get the newspaper, and I don't remember. <laughs> You know, well, in and out for things, but yeah. I didn't leave, leave. So well, I went to Philadelphia. Patrick uh-huh. and I left on Saturday afternoon and got down there about 5 o'clock-ish in the early evening. And it was, it still just amazes me when I think of the difference between the the blooming of the trees. Here versus there? Even right at the tunnel yes as soon as you get on the other side of the tunnel there's like like a magic powder that goes over Mm -hmm. and everything was blooming all the trees were in full bloom and it was just magnificent to see all that and the closer we got to philadelphia the more obvious that became and everything was just the colors were phenomenal so anyway we got there five o'clock ish and we had made dinner reservations at a place called the um uh, iron hill brewery i think is what it's called on um conchahawken avenue not con germantown avenue in um chestnut hill so we went over there and we had a fabulous meal everybody there were six of us and we all got something different and it's a loud and crazy place food is excellent they make all of their own uh, beer you can't order anything other than what they brew right there physically right there on in the place so we all were pretty full by the time we left there and uh got back home and decided to do some eggs so my sister had already hard boiled the eggs so my niece and her main squeeze and i um we did some mean coloring and she got a different kind this year it was called a high gloss and it almost looked like they were fake eggs that you would buy. So like, shiny? Cause they, the yeah. shiny was just incredible. And the more it stayed there, the shinier it got. So we opted against doing anything on the outside of the eggs. And just they were just magnificent. Beautiful colors. So um, everybody retired early. And then the next day, my sister and uh, my niece went to the church in um, Chestnut Hill the um, 
what they call it now. There's a way to say this. It's not the Chestnut Hill Presbyterian Church. It's the church, the Presbyterian Church of Chestnut Hill or something like that. Anyway, I usually go, but I just did not feel very good that morning, and I don't know why, but I stayed home, and I brought down all the meats. I brought fresh kielbasa and um, a a boneless prime rib from Travados in Clark Summit. And I have to give them kudos because that uh, I did the same thing for Christmas and got, um, I don't think it was a prime rib. It was some other cut of meat, but it was fabulous. And so I went back there and got another one for us to have. And my sister, in the meantime, found that she had won a ham because of all that, you know, when you go to the stores mm-hmm. and you... So she got one for free. So she put that in as well, put that in the oven and cooked Was that. Was it already cooked? Well, yeah. yeah. And most of the hams are like that. It's uh, she, But she puts cloves in yeah, all I, over it. God. And then she put in two um, cans of ginger ale and... I just traditional. Thought, yeah, I thought it was wonderful. It was yeah. really, really good. So we had all of we had a phenomenal dinner about seven o'clock that evening. I just can't believe all the food that was on the table. <laughs> and my nephew Tim is <laughs> as thin as a rail. No, I shouldn't say he's that emaciated or anything, but he he had a plate that was so down, right? full I know, that he couldn't even find what was I underneath don't know it. Where they put it? I don't either. It's unbelievable. And then we had desserts and we had, oh my goodness. It was, I, I walked out of that house. It was about 8.30 when we left on Easter night. And I I was so full, but I probably <laughs> only ate um, a third of what the other people did, especially the men. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable, but it was so good. And we had um, Easter baskets and... Did you eat chocolate? Yes, I did. But not mm-hmm. a whole lot of it, though. I didn't. From where? Well, I brought stuff from Gertrude Hawks. Yeah. The uh, smidgens, and I also brought the apples that were dipped in dark chocolate with caramel and other kinds of stuff all over it. I think I ate one of the whole apples by myself. But um, that, that you know, we just we had stuff like that. So okay. it was an incredible day, and it was really nice. In Philadelphia mm-hmm. on, on Easter Day. The day, you mean? The, the day. The weather. It started nice. off um, being cloudy. Then it got really warm outside in the sun. Then the sun would go away. The clouds would come back. It was doing this all day long. But we sat outside for most of the day, and it was between 65 and 72 degrees. And it was really nice. Mm-hmm. So nice. that was That's... great. It was nice to do that. Uh-huh. Yeah, it was it was a good. I like Easter at this time of the year. Yeah, I don't like it earlier. It's um, what you I like, it, like earlier? it earlier? I do not like it earlier. Oh, I thought you said you like it earlier. No. I I like it because it's, it, it first of all, it's a little bit lighter out. Yes, and um, it's just the usually it, the weather's nicer. That's all. It's just it's nice. And everything's blooming. Yes, too. That's yes. the part I love. Speaking the blooming allergies. Well, yeah, that <laughs> was. But it's all that's good. not good. No, but it's all good. I mean, it that's, it's good to to see the new life popping up, and my tulips. Some of them have already popped, and okay. um, the, the the bulbs, the top part, the flower part, and it's I love it. All they line my drive, my walkway. Yeah, I know. I said that the last time, and I said driveway too. <laughs> but um, 
I keep doing that. But it, um, it's, yeah, so it was nice. And then last night we were together for, um, weren't we together? Yeah. Well, Saturday, Friday night we were at Alfredo's. Right. For a little um, Good Friday <clears throat> dinner mm -hmm. and then we were together last night at the cultural center in Chaplin hall for the flight of jackie cork cochran excuse mm -hmm. me and uh done by um award-winning i should say artist poet and playwright nancy hasty and she was mm. as paulette marshall said to her the way you went from emotion to emotion it seamlessly into each part i i said it felt like i was sitting there for five minutes and it was a, you know about an hour and a half or so with intermission then when then intermission on top of that it went by so quickly and you just were so drawn in there was no i wasn't bored one second listening to that or nor did i drift off like i tend to to do yeah it was um excellent <clears throat> she she was incredible i just can't i'm just sorry that there were not more people there to see her well you know what happened Lynn? you know because we yes. talked to nancy on right. the show a couple months ago she was supposed to be here in february and developed pneumonia and could not come so it was postponed for two months and that lost a little bit of steam just because of the publicity we we got all the publicity and then we had to you know we they're not going to do it again in that realm so it was they did help us Scranton times helped us and we did all we could but you know but still it was a nice it was an intimate crowd and it was yes. it was very nice it was but she was a an incredibly powerful performer yes she really was I, I'm just um, I'm amazed at the fact that she is not um, winning Oscars and and everything because well, she's Bernie just Bernie so Ross good. said today, how much better do you have to be to like say you're like some world renowned uh, actress? Because yes. how much better do you get than that? I mean, she's I incredible. She nailed so, every aspect of it. I know. So it I want to say excellent. too. I want to um, talk about the sponsors that helped. That was Allied Services and Lamar Advertising, PNC Bank, The Colonnade, Sandy Lamana, jo uh, Joanne Arduino, Doctor uh, Deb Pellegrino, Bernie Ross, Annette Palutis, um, uh, Roe Hume, uh, Sandra Myers, and the Lackawanna County Arts and Culture, as well as the uh, Scranton Times. So that was a big thing. And the committee members were Joanne Joanne Arduino, Donna Barbetti, yours. Truly, Dr. Catherine Cullen, Katie Gilmartin, Sandy Lamana, Susan Notariani, and Deb Peterson. And it was, Susan had seen this in New York and wanted to do it locally. And I think at the, in the end, we were all just wanted to make, Susan thought this would be great. And so you, when you want to help your friends make it work. And so it was brought, presented by the Lackawanna County Commission for Women and the Cultural Center. And she was very happy. So we made, you know, a lot of people were happy. So that was a good thing. So anyway, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening this morning to the Laurie and Lynn Show, and we will be right back. Here's Laurie and Lynn. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Lynn Evans. I am managing director of a company called Women of Substance, LLC, which is a financial planning firm designed specifically for the needs of baby boomer women. I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse, available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and several others. <laughs> and I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. 
And um, we have a couple things I wanted to talk about here this morning. Some very interesting uh, takes, I guess would be the way to put it, on things that we just take for granted. Um, this one I thought was interesting because, you know, I've said many times and when I, when I read some of these that everybody wants to try to put labels on things that we just accept for how they are. Well, now there's a new label and the new label is called discordant retirement. Wow. And that's for married couples. Oh. Uh, well, it could be, I think, anybody in a permanent relationship, but whether th that's what the definition is here. But what's it called again? A discordant retirement. Okay. okay. It sounds like a marital spat, but it really just describes the phenomenon retirement researchers have been digging into lately. The fact that few married couples retire at the same time. And that's interesting because it was always just a given that the retirement focused on the husband's retirement. And since wives weren't working that much, it wasn't really an issue. But now that we've got people at two different times in their lives, and if they're shooting for a certain age that they want to accumulate benefits or 401k money, we now have something that requires some planning above and beyond just one person's retirement date. So a recent study based on, on data from the University of Michigan Health and Retirement Survey found that the pathways people take to retirement are complex, frequently involving phased retirements, bridge jobs, and periods of non-employment and returns to work. Decisions often are impacted by eligibility for pensions on the, draw, on the job stress, which is another biggie I didn't mention, physical limitations, and caregiving responsibilities. Often there is a so-called discordant phase when one spouse works longer than the other. Someone found that these discordant patterns were apparent for a majority of couples. She studied 2,600 couples and found 1,400 unique retirement pathways. We tend to think that people retire at the same time, but when we take a longer approach and look at multiple years, we see much more diversity. Younger households study were more likely to experience fully or partially discordant retirements. The phenomenon also was more common in couples with larger age differences. I can understand that. In one sense, Carmen's findings are not surprising considering how retirement has evolved and been redefined, but the results do have implications for the way that advisors work with married clients. It's a standard practice to create retirement plans with projected individual retirement dates, but advisors should look at opportunities to discuss discordant retirement with clients. What is most important is to discuss the expectations and visions for retirement, both as partners who plan to retire at different times and also if and when they plan to be retired together. For example, if one partner plans to retire at 60 and wants to spend the next five years working in a part-time position with less stress and the other one plans on retiring at 65, then the discussion should be about financial planning for this loss of income for five years and then full retirement for both. I think the point's made, but this is an interesting story because we never really, as financial advisors, never really looked at that uh, except 
to assume that the primary breadwinner was the one who was going to retire at some point and the other person's income, if they earned it, would be a supplement to retirement. That's the way most of the software programs we use to do the number crunching are set up to do. But then the other thing we know is that a lot of people get out of their nine to five job and decide to do something very different, like going back to school to learn a new profession or trade, or they decide to, to start an, their own business. And that is a very different mentality because we know that starting a business doesn't just usually doesn't just generate a huge amount of money in the first year. It takes time to build that up. And I still hear complaints about people who have designed a traditional retirement and assume that their much younger spouse will retire when they do as well. And that's not always the way it works. So we have to take a totally different approach to retirement. And okay, now we have a label for it. We call it discordant retirement. But it's interesting to me that we have to start looking at how we're going to plan this out based on the assumption that both couple both people in the couple are well and healthy right and that's not always the case mm -hmm. or that one of the two may have to take on caregiving duties for a relative friend parent that we didn't expect that they would have to do and that may decrease the income that they anticipate when they're doing the planning. The other thing is we have to look at the, the cost of medical care and if it really makes sense to retire earlier before Medicare kicks in. I can't tell you the number of people who have said to me between 60 and 65, they're looking at shopping because they, they have to get some insurance coverage. and. The, the amount of money that they spend for personal care, um, for I should say for an individual plan, is sometimes close to $2,000 a month plus deductibles. And that is not something that most people planned on. So if you can hang in there and you can wait until Medicare kicks in at 65, it's a huge difference in your costs for medical care. Um, that it also opens the door to the triple threat of better retirement outcomes, more years of saving, fewer years of drawdowns, and delayed Social Security filing. Uh, that one is another biggie that most people forget about, that the, the longer you wait until you start to draw down retirement income after you are fully insured, which is a moving target these days, but assuming that's the case, waiting until 70 gives you much more insurance or much more benefit to the tune of 8% per year. And then there's something else I've mentioned once before that I don't know if people uh, remember, but that is that if the um, one spouse decides to start taking Social Security benefits, the other spouse can immediately apply for half of that yeah, person's you were, benefit. Yeah, because you did that. You I said. did it. And I forgot that I could do it uh -huh. because Pat already was taking medic, I mean, social security and I completely forgot about it.
breakfast worth $1,000 a month. Mm -hmm. It's not bad. No. So uh, who knows what's going to happen with Social Security because it is, it is just so screwed up. I mean, in the sense that, as I said, I'm one of three people claiming benefits under his Social Security. That's insane. That's the kind of thing that is going to bankrupt the system if it doesn't already figure into it. Uh -huh. But that's insane. I mean, I'm taking half of his benefit. He's taking all of his benefit. And his ex-wife is taking all of her share of his benefit. All from the same earnings of one person. Yeah, I know. That's unbelievable. It is unbelievable. And it's crazy. Um, but the fact is, the way the system is set up now, it's doable. And why do you think they allow you as the spouse of in a divorce situation when you collect under theirs, if you're married 10 or more years, if you remarry, you cannot collect. But if you remarry and your husband dies, you can still collect under your first husband's Social Security. Why? Because that's the way the, the laws were written. That they allow for that and I just that's why I'm saying I just think I don't know who was being so generous with well they were this. trying to protect is wasn't it to protect women who were divorced from well or the yes. spouse of yes the person but that's to, an assumption that women are not were not the primary I breadwinners. know that that's what I'm saying it was so and, long ago and that is not the case anymore in my case I will do that until it gets to the point where I decide I want to claim my You're social wrong. security benefits, which will be significantly higher. Mm -hmm. But that was not the case. That's why I think that was the reason that prompted that, was that women did not have earnings outside of the home, so they couldn't contribute to their own social security pot, so to right. speak. But also, you said there is a cap on how much you can actually earn in social security. Yes. Why is that? Why, why do you think that happens? Because think about it. People who make more money paid more into Social Security. So why do they cap it? Are they capping it or what you can pay in? Yes. Do yeah. they cap it? So yes. after so much money, you, they stop right. contributing. Okay. And after, it's like 170-some thousand dollars of earnings per year. I forget, the number goes up every year. And then they, so, you no longer pay on right. that portion above and beyond that. Right, so you get, a, no you get a raise in your paycheck then from that right. point forward. Wow, okay. Well, that's great. Except for the fact that you should be, they should reduce, eliminate that. There should still be um, contributions made into the Social Security system as long as you're earning money above and beyond whatever that number is. Mm -hmm. Why not? I mean, it, that's the way the, the system was designed. But somebody said it's not never fair. Worked, do they have a Social Security no. at all? They no. don't, right? So what happens? Well, then they're welfare and other benefits like that okay but um it's th no that is just that's not right there's so many different pieces of it that it drives me crazy when i think of how it could be resolved um and this would go away but nobody wants to hear about it because it's a political football all right think speaking of political what'd you think of the announcement of joe biden well you knew that was coming Oh, no. You mean you, you, the universal you? No, you, Laurie Kelly. Well, I was that. hoping it was coming. Yeah. I, I mean, I heard it was, but that doesn't mean it was going to. Well, I don't know. I, I'm, uh, I'm wondering about 
the viability of this campaign, not because I don't think he's qualified well, or obviously. disqualified, but the fact is that he's waited so long. Yeah, but Lynn, whether he has or not, <clears throat> he is no political slouch, so he had to have, he has to have enough to know what's going to happen once he did, or he could he, he would never have waited. I no. don't think he would do it to the detriment of, of a loss, of... of Winning. his own loss. Right. Yes. But then that that throws out the whole thing <clears throat> with who will the Democratic Party represent? He represents a more traditional Democratic view of things. And then you have Bernie Sanders, who's very much socialist on that side. Um, you've got the others, the women who want to run because they're women and they think it's time. Um, so I, I don't know. I mean, it, it just sounds to me like this could be a real hodgepodge. And if it isn't done There's correctly. There's 20 people running. Yeah. But <sighs> there was something like that last time around. Well, for the Republicans. 20. No, for the Republicans. Yeah, there, there were, were a lot 14. of repubs there. But, yeah. but they all get whittled away and they fall they apart. They do. And they and, all go bye-bye. Yeah. But still, I mean, there's pieces of a lot of these people running that I like. Like if we could take a piece, here's my idea, build a robot <laughs> yes. of all the pieces that I like from each of the candidates and make it one person, like Rosie nice. the robot from the Jetsons or somebody else who could, you know, I mean, that would be a good one. It's a good thing I didn't say anything funny when you were drinking that, Lynn. Yes. Um, you know what I mean? It would be, that would be good. But anyway, we are going to take a break. We'll talk more when we get back. You're listening to the Laurie and Lynn Show. We will be right back. Here's Lori and Lynn. Good morning. Good morning. My name is Lynn Evans. I am the managing director of a company called Women of Substance, LLC, which is a financial planning firm designed specifically for the needs of baby boomer women. And I'm also the host of a podcast called Power of the Purse, which is available on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and a bunch of other spots. And I'm Laurie Cadden, the owner of Laurie Cadden Enterprises, which is a fundraising PR and special event business. So we were just talking about Joe Biden's announcement and all the other people um, who are running. And yeah, those are the reasons um, they're all running. But you know who I saw an interview with the other day on CBS Sunday morning, whatever it is? Uh, yeah. That, what's his name? The the young guy, the... Um, from, from uh, Texas? No, Indiana. Um, uh, Notre Dame. Uh, uh, what's the name of it? What town is that? Uh, <laughs> Pete. Mayor Pete. He's the mayor of uh, Great Bend. In, is it Great Bend, Indiana? What is it? I don't Look know. Your, yeah. Isn't that where Notre Dame is? I don't know. You're supposed well, to say yes. I'm Lynn. sorry. You're supposed to know I don't remember. Things. But what about him? Oh my God, huh? What about him? Um, he's running for president. Yeah. And so you said you saw the interview. Uh, yeah, he was great. I loved him. Oh, okay. All right. So he represents what? I mean, a, a middle of the road <coughs> kind of thing. Um. No, he's. I, I don't know. There's. I, I just. There's something about him. All the stuff I. I heard about him. I. I like him. <clears throat> so, okay. Um, but um, anyway, he's good too. So I guess it's it's all. There's a, a lot. Like I said, there's a lot of a lot of things about. I'm not the biggest fan of Elizabeth Warren. I I don't know why. I just you know just I'm not. 
Well, so. there are a lot of choices, and I think they're all going to just fall by the wayside because of natural energies that will just push them that way. It's not their time. It's not they don't have the audience. They don't have whatever. Uh, but Joe Biden definitely does. I mean, he's been around. He's the most qualified person of all the ones that are, I mean, vice president. You're pretty much up there as the most logical candidate. Well, then again, the, the one with the most experience lost the last time, too. So, <clears throat> Well, yeah, that's true. Mm -hmm. But that was not on the side of the Democrats. That was against a Republican. I know that. What I'm talking about is within the Democratic Party. I think he's the most qualified. So uh, we'll see what happens. Well, we'll see. We shall see. But I'm, I'm, I'm with Joe. I'm just yeah, telling Yeah, we know I'm that. With Joe. We know that. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just mm -hmm. letting you know. So, so if there's any question. How about if there's a question about being old? Do you um, find it offensive if people say that you're old? What do you mean? Well, you're you know, old. What's old? Me old? Do I find it if people think I'm old? Yeah. I'm not. <laughs> so why uh, do I find it? Well, I guess, I guess no. that's the question is when do Are you, old? you think you're old? I don't know. Well, here's an interesting conversation about this. this is an opinion that was in the Washington Post by a woman named Laura Karstensen. And she's a professor of psychology um, and public policy at Stanford University. So she said, we hear a lot about aging societies these days. At the same time, we hear relatively little about being old from older people themselves. In part, this is because most people in their 60s, 70s, and older still don't think of themselves as old. We often refer to old people in the third person. As long as we are healthy and engaged in life, as most people are in their 60s, 70s, and older, we don't view ourselves as old. But by using they rather than we in our minds and our conversations, we keep an entire stage of life at arm's length. By failing to identify with old, the story about old people remains a dreary one about loss and decline. Language matters. We need a term that aging people can embrace. For years, I've thought that we should just start calling ourselves old and be proud of the fact that we've reached advanced ages. Maggie Kuhn, who co-founded the anti-ageism group Grey Panthers, also took this position. A distinguished geriatrician introduced her in a hotel ballroom to a standing room only crowd. He concluded his gracious introduction by saying something to the effect of, and now it's my great pleasure to give you this impressive young lady. Kuhn ambled to the podium, stood silent for a moment, pulled the microphone down to her mouth. She was as short as she was fierce and slowly and forcefully said, two things. I am not young, and I'm no lady. I'm an old woman. <laughs> I love it. <clears throat> and the fact that you cannot call me what I am without insulting me illustrates the depth of the problem we face. And this author said, I instantly idolized her. But embracing the term old is probably a fool's errand. Over the past 40 years or so, I've tried to persuade people to use the word old proudly, but I have so far failed to get a single person to do so. In fact, even if even I avoid old for fear that the term might offend. 
Alternative terms range from distant but respectful to outright patronizing. None of them are appealing to old people. The most widely used are senior citizens, retirees, the elderly, and elders. Then there are the derogatory terms such as geezers and coots, <laughs> mostly whispered behind closed doors. Codgers. And there are there are terms such as sages, which frankly go which too like. far I in the like opposite sage. direction. As as plenty of old people are far cry from wise, some people prefer the comfortably familiar term boomers. But then what do we call generation Xers and millennials when they grow old? There are those who argue that we need to distinguish the young old from the old old. Although I suspect this is touted mostly by baby boomers who want to deny that they are old, it's true that 65-year-olds are not the same as 95-year-olds. It's also true that chronological age is a poor marker of functioning. <coughs> Even though the young old defer, differ from the old old, there is tremendous heterogeneity within age groups. The functional status of old people has also shifted substantially over historical time. A century ago, 40 was old. Today's older generations are healthier, more cognitively fit, and better educated than previous generations. So what do we call old people? The Stanford Center on Longevity, which this woman directs, strives to develop a culture that supports long life. And we recognized early that language matters. Most people say they don't want to grow old, but they also want to live a long time. Yet we never settled on a good term for old people. Last spring, this author met Maureen Connors, a fascinating woman who works in fashion, fashion technology an emerging longevity industry, that is, a business providing the needs of older people, including education, travel, and entertainment. She uses the word perennials to refer to older customers. Upon first hearing this term, I was startled. The symbolism it connotes is perfect. For one, perennials makes clear that we're still here, blossoming again and again. It also suggests a new model of life in which people engage and take breaks, making new starts repeatedly. Perennials aren't guaranteed to blossom year after year, but given proper conditions, good soil and nutrients, they can go on for decades. It's aspirational. In August, Allure magazine announced that it would no longer use the term anti-aging and appointed Dame Helen Mirren their spokeswoman. <laughs> Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin are starting in a, starring in a wonderful series called Grace and Frankie, <laughs> in, which you love, in which they portray two smart, funny, and unapologetic perennials. Perhaps we are reaching a tipping point, a shift away from the fear of growing old and toward embracing living long. Perennials Millennials may just move that conversation along. Well, I think that's fascinating because yes, I love it. But I have to tell you that today I was with a friend of my Marlene Salmon, and she has a mom who's 104 years old. Wow. And she lives at Holy Family Residence. Mm -hmm. And she, they asked, a, she's the matriarch over there, and mm -hmm. people were asking people of, you know, tenure, uh, would you, how, what's your secret to long life, to a long life? And, you know, some people say, you know, I eat this, I don't yeah. do that. And yeah. she said, just don't die. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that cute? That's it. great.
That so, is really good. Okay. Just don't die. Just so we, <laughs> just so I get this right. Notre Dame is in not Great Bend. That's something. That's around here, I think. South Bend. South Bend. Okay. Indiana. Mm-hmm. I knew it. I'm thinking it doesn't sound okay. right as I said it. So I had to be. I had to search, thinking okay. why doesn't that sound right? So don't. If anyone's listening, saying, uh, no, that's not where it is. Yes, we Laurie, know. Thank get you. it right. It's South Bend, Indiana, and that's where that guy is from. Okay. And um, um, isn't great? But something is here, isn't it? I think it yeah, is. I'll have to look. Yeah, so that's what I was thinking. So I'm always throwing in Pennsylvania into the mix. Oh, okay. But anyway, um, just so I didn't forget that. But how about that? Just don't dive. That That's what your secret I, to long life that's is. that's really great. Isn't that cute? Yeah. And I know that there are many uh, articles I've seen. Uh, there's a woman, I can't think of her name. She lives in New York City, and she is dynamite. I mean, she's one of these women who has created her own style. And she dresses to the nines every day with these outrageous, colorful, bright clothing, costumes, whatever. And she has set a whole new stage for women who are older and saying that she's set a whole she has a whole fashion line of her own stuff who is this i don't know what her name is i i've seen it many many times um on the internet i forget what her name is but um uh joseph the one who does that boom no cosmetic? no no no. No. Who? no this is a woman who's already in her 90s oh and oh um uh iris Iris, what's her name? Iris. It could be her. A pe- I, Apple, A-P-E-L, I think it is. Uh, yes. I think that's who it is. She's a man. Big glasses, night. short gray hair. Yes. Yeah, she's fabulous. She I is love incredible. her. She has a, a line of clothing on HSN. Oh, she Actually, does? she's on there a lot. Yes. Oh, okay. That's great. Yes. Because what she's doing is breaking up that whole model of, you know, once you get to a certain age, you wear the dumpy clothes and nothing that's form-fitting and everything. And it's acceptable by society that you should look like crap. Mm-hmm. And she's just saying, no, there's no reason to give up no, uh, and there uh, your isn't. appearance. And, and it does a lot for your uh, psyche. Absolutely. I think, the, the, and no different than, just let me say this too, just so we report it, because once I throw it out there, i got to correct it. Great Bend <laughs> is a borough in Susquehanna County. Pennsylvania, 39 oh. miles north of Scranton. Okay, thank you. Just so we know. All right. Because I'm confusing all of them, and I can't stand when I say something that's not the right thing. So. Okay, fine. Anyway, sorry, folks, for that. But so, I do it. But, Iris. you know what? She is the... I love her. I isn't... I wonder... I think she is 90-some, Lynn. She is. And then there's people you look at, like Helen Mirren, um, and... Uh, all these women who just, you know, Apple. refuse to just... A-P-F-E-L it is. Yes, that's Iris. it. She is so cool. I love her. And I want more women to believe that that's how they can be. They don't have to just buy into this. And I love After a certain glasses. age, you just say, I'm uh, She's done. 97. Thank you. Oh, my God. Mm-hmm. She was born in 1921. Wonderful, and she is so cool. I ab- I absolutely love her, and you're right. She she just and she's doing and even when you talk to when you listen to her being interviewed, she's right on the ball. She's incredible. Yes, yep. I love it. She, you're right because the I think too that the more you you act and you put forth your best part of you, I think that that, that is. But I don't think the old thing. I think I don't. 
I still feel when I and I believe that's true. All everybody, older people, they actually really do feel like they're not the age they are. Other than a few, you know, pains and you know things like that, people really, I think, aren't feeling old. No, I don't feel it. I mean, I'm 67 years old, and I don't feel like I'm 67 years old like I think I should feel at Uh 67. There you go. You know, I look at my mom who was well into her mid-80s and still functioned very well, lived in her house by herself, cleaned her house, did all those kinds of things. And she, I mean, her skin was perfect she looked fabulous and she always and she dressed legs she did i know and she always dressed very well and so did my mother that was the same yes, thing exactly That's the same way exactly all right well we're taking uh, our leave of you so um thanks and again sorry for all my rambling of the wrong city <laughs> i'm right Pennsylvania in, in indiana <laughs> but anyway okay so thanks again for um, your time, Lynn. We'll see you next week. Everybody have a wonderful weekend. Stay safe and please be nice. Bye. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com.